you kind of it was very organic how you came onto the show it was obviously we were doing a lot around the inauguration and chatting about that and then Dave it does admit and sorry Dave I'm dropping you in this here yeah. of how much of a fan he is of yeah. Brian O'Donovan and Team I was Brian. previously unaware of this fanboy but Dave sorry now that I've dropped you in it maybe you want to have your say yeah exactly you've become a sh- sort of a show <laughs> favourite uh, I'm leading the army the charges against Donny we think he's an upstart you're the OG and we're like <laughs> Brian O'Donovan for life Team Brian Excellent. Well, I, I got I got to meet Donny a couple of times over the last few weeks. Lovely guy from Kerry, who will forgive him that. I'm a Cork man. So there was rivalries. There was always going to be rivalries, but uh, he's a lovely guy and he's done a great... So the funny thing about Donny is, so Donny is always on CNN over here on the US version, but I don't think he was on the international version Did you get in Ireland that much until the night of the storming of the Capitol building. So I was well aware of Donny and his talents, but I think Ireland only became aware on that night. Yeah, and he's a great guy. He's a good guy. You're, you're well used to, obviously... Washington at this stage have been there. Is it 2017 or 2018 you went over? I saw two. I, yeah, so I started at the very start of 2018. So I've had three years now, 2018, 2019, 2020. And this is my last year. I'll finish up at the end of this year, start of next year. And it's such a weird thing because you were there in a time that was like no other, um, hate to use the word unprecedented, but it was. So when you're talking to other RTE Washington correspondents, like, are there similarities or is your experience just completely different because of Trump? They, they were all different. And it was very interesting to speak to my predecessors. So Carol Coleman, if you go back, she was uh, 9-11 and Iraq war. So huge stories. The very first Washington correspondent actually was Mark Little. So he had Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. Then you had Carol. Uh, then you had, uh, let me get my order right, Robert Short came next. Hurricane Katrina with economic crash. Um, you had Charlie Bird was there during uh, the times of the, uh, the the beginning of Obama, more economic troubles. Richard Downs uh, was doing, I don't know if you remember, um, David Drum and uh, these these bankers, that these Irish bankers that were in the US. And then Katrina would have had the start, Katrina Perry, my immediate predecessor, would have had the start of Donald Trump. Everybody had a different experience. They were all incredibly busy in their own ways, I think. The Donald Trump bit, what makes that different, and Katrina Perry, as I say, had the first year of that presidency, I had three years, was that every day you were doing a presidential story. You were doing a story about the president in the White House, and that's not usually the way it is. And my predecessor said that to me, that on a day-to-day basis, particularly under Barack Obama, for example, they used to call him no drama Obama because there was no controversy, there was no shock, there was no surprise every day. That was very, very different under Donald Trump. So while all my predecessors were very, very busy with lots of other different stories, the day-to-day reporting on a president in the White House is quite unique to the Trump situation. Brian, was there an appreciation or an expectation that you were going to be right in the thick of reporting history? It's a very difficult thing to comprehend. Okay, I'm going into this job. I will probably be reporting on world-changing events right in the thick of it. Or do you just go, I'm going to do a job here? Yeah, so I always knew covering the Trump presidency would be as I say, day-to-day big presidential Trump stories. And that is exactly what it was. We had the Mueller report. We had impeachment. And then I came to last year, 2020. And in every Washington correspondent stint, that election year is usually the busiest. So I had an idea at the start of last year what 2020 would look like. I thought it would be the primaries with the Democrats getting down to the Democratic candidate. And that's how it started. And then I thought it would be election campaigns and rallies and conventions and an election and an inauguration. And that would be the flow of events. But of course, what happened, as we all know, come February, March, the world changed with the coronavirus. So that changed everything. Throw into the mix as well last year, the Black Lives Matter movement, which was a huge part of 2020. 
And then you had all the chaos surrounding the election, Donald Trump refusing to accept the result, it culminating in the storming of the Capitol building a few weeks ago. And then you had the inauguration finally last week. So I think while I had an idea that it would be a busy 2020, I had no idea of how different it would be for a variety of reasons. So while we didn't have the traditional convention, we didn't have that many rallies, we didn't have the traditional election, it was certainly very, very busy for very, very different reasons and very exciting to cover. I think I was very lucky and privileged. You mentioned covering history and it was history. And I think I was very privileged to be there for that. When you're in a role like that, then how much of a schedule or routine can you have for your personal life when you're doing a job like you're doing? So what, what, you, what you find in the structure and the routine is that it's very dictated by the time differences. So what's nice on one level is that there's a five-hour difference, obviously, between Washington and Dublin. So if you look at your television work, your last television report of the night is into the nine o'clock news, but that's only 4 p.m. here. So you're sort of done your TV work early in the day, 4, 4.30, which is great. Where you get caught, I suppose, is on the other side, Morning Ireland, the breakfast radio show. You usually pre-record that or do it live, depending on the story. And that could be 1, 2, even 3 a.m. my time. So that's where it can be challenging. But I will say, you don't do that every night. I mean, you couldn't. You'd be physically exhausted. That's very story dependent. But during the busy times, sleep can be a little rare and short. But you don't mind because it's the big, busy story and you want to be up and you want to be covering it anyway. So, yeah, you're very much dictated by the time zones in Ireland. What would you say the attributes that a good political correspondent or any correspondent for that matter should have? What should be in your arsenal? I just think you need to be ready for anything and prepare for the unexpected. I think of that day of the storming of the Capitol building. Again, you go in that morning thinking the day was structured. We started off the day at a Donald Trump rally outside the White House where he told his supporters to march up the Capitol Hill. We went back to the office. We started editing the piece. We were going to go down to Capitol Hill anyway. Then we realized we saw the TV pictures of this chaos unfolding. So we just had to abandon what we were doing, grab our camera and run down. Certainly under the Trump presidency, certainly under the last over the last year, you just had to be prepared for anything, prepared to move at a moment's notice. But we also had to get creative. I mean, I think of there was this huge lack of in-person events during the election campaign because there could not be any rallies. There couldn't be any traditional gatherings. Donald Trump started to do them at the end and we covered some of those. But again, you have to be careful because there's big crowds of people. Typically at Trump rallies, they wouldn't wear masks. They wouldn't socially distance. They didn't really believe the coronavirus was as serious as people were telling them. So they would carry on as normal. So that had challenges. You had to be careful. But on the Joe Biden side, they didn't kind of do anything. They had virtual rallies and sort of scaled back events. So we had to get creative. So we decided to get on the train. Every day when Joe Biden was a senator for 40 years, he would get on the train in the morning from Wilmington, Delaware, travel to Washington and travel back. So we repeated the journey one day myself and my cameraman, got on the train, spoke to the people on the train. What do you think of Joe Biden? Got to the other end of Delaware. The train station is named Joe Biden train station. So it just made a nice piece. So we just had to be flexible. We just had to adapt because, as I say, it was very changed times last year with the coronavirus. When you're actually watching your broadcasts on the RT News, uh, certainly the sense I get from it is that you're really into it, like that you're really, really enjoying it. So is that fair to say? Like, it's I feel like it's really a little performance for you or am I totally off the mark here? I, I, I really enjoy it. I do. And and my favorite bit of the job is doing the live reports into radio or TV. And sometimes it's it's so happening and breaking behind you that, uh, yeah, it's a buzz to cover it. It's great to be able to do it. As I say, I'm very privileged to be here at such a busy time. And that for me is definitely the biggest thrill and the biggest enjoyment of it is that live element, uh, delivering the news to people back home. And it's been interesting over the last year, just 
I think a combination of um, it was so busy here and there were so many big, huge news stories here in the US. And I think as well, and you, maybe you'll agree with me, uh, with people in lockdown back home in Ireland, I know RT's viewership figures increased, a lot more people watching television, a lot more people engaging with TV, a lot more people watching the news. So it's been wonderful to get feedback from people saying things like, oh, we saw you on the news last night and, you know, whatever. You look very excited. You move your hands a lot. You jump around a lot. You're very entertaining. And that, look, if I entertain people, I'm happy. <laughs> and on that point, what do you make of your impressionists that have sprung up en masse through lockdown and this pandemic. Yeah, so impressionists, plural, I'm glad you said that. So it started, I think, uh, Oliver Callan with Callan's Kicks. And there's a comedian in Cork called Tyg Hickey, who has a similar hair style to me. (laughs) So I think he's quite good because he looks a little bit like me as well. It's flattery, hey, you know, you know, uh, what what did they say? Impersonation of the best form of flattery. Imitation is the best form of flattery. I think it's great. I think they're very good. They're very entertaining. You do watch them sometimes and go, really, am I that animated? I guess I am, but... uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I think it's very funny. It's great. But it's it's done with kindness as well. And if we go back to like spitting image days where that was ruthless, if you were a politician and you weren't on that, even if they weren't cur- crucifying you, that was a problem. I, I totally agree. Never any malice in it. It always, to me, seems very lighthearted and very nice. And uh, yeah, I, well, I think friends and family back home in Ireland love to send a little WhatsApp link to the latest comedian doing an impression of me. And that's uh, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. It's uh you know, it'd be worse if they weren't talking about you, I guess, wouldn't it? Exactly. You have the three years, obviously, down in Washington. And I suppose just something we do know about that role is that it is something that people do for a certain length of time and there is better movement. Any idea maybe what comes next or how long more you're going to be in Washington? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's a four year posting. So I know that I'll be leaving Washington at the end of this year, early next year. Then I don't know. I'll go back into the RTE newsroom. I mean, I will continue to be an RTE news reporter. Um, what specifically I'll do there, I don't know. I mean, this was always a four-year project for us, and I'm over here with my wife and two young daughters. So my wife, Joanna, is a teacher. She had to take a career break. The girls, we want to get them back into school. So it was this wonderful four-year adventure, this chapter in our lives that we've utterly, utterly enjoyed. Still one more year to go, I should say. We're not, we're not, we're not done yet. But uh, it was an unbelievable experience and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted I did it. I'm delighted for the family that we did it. They really enjoyed it as well. And uh, yeah, a new chapter ahead when we get back to Ireland, either at the end of this year or early next year. And how does your family adapt to, OK, this is four years, but it is four years we have to move. How did they adapt and your kids growing up as well? Was that difficult or did they just get into the swing of things? I think the girls were young enough when we came over that it wasn't too disruptive. Um, I mean, when they come over, I suppose they would have been, let me work out my ages here. So Lucy is now 11. So I guess we were talking kind of nine and six, really, when we moved over. So that, I, I, I think that was sort of young enough that, uh, you know, they weren't doing the leaving search, basically, or getting ready for college. We weren't up, academically upending them too much. Uh, and they've loved it here. They made friends very quickly. Uh, we live on a lovely kind of a residential street in the suburb where there's lots of uh, other kids their same age. School was great. Unfortunately, the schools closed here last March, like schools around the rest of the world, really. But they never reopened. So hopefully they're talking about reopening the schools here in the next week or two. We're keeping the fingers crossed, but uh, they've never gone back. So that's been tough. Again, we're lucky, though, my wife being a teacher, she's at home with them so she can help. Them. So they're all virtual. It's all online, you know, um, but, but she's been at home with them. She's been helping them. So we've been lucky in that regard that we have a teacher in the house to help the kids with the homeschooling. Um, and actually, from your own adapting into the community, are you the type, I suppose, in terms of the community you're in, that it's it's very American? Or would you be the type of Irish lad who arrived over and was straight looking for the local GA club? Well, we were lucky, you know, where we live, Washington is a very international city. So um, 
it was interesting actually. Uh, the the my my daughter, uh, the, my youngest girl, Erin, is in theory due to go back to school next week or possibly the week after they're talking about reopening. So we had a, a Zoom call with her teacher last night, and he was going through the other kids that are in the class, and of the other kids that would be in the class. So I'm the Irish TV news reporter, the daughter of the Norwegian TV news reporter will be there and the daughter of the Czech TV news reporter will be there in the one class. So that's kind of lots of diplomats, lots of foreign journalists. So you do meet a very diverse international community, particularly in the part of Washington we're in. It just seems to have attracted a lot of embassy people, a lot of diplomats and a lot of journalists. And then you mentioned the Irish community. What was wonderful here was the Irish embassy in Washington. Fabulous organization, the ambassador, Dan Mulhall, used to organize these wonderful cultural events. He would have gatherings at the embassy. Unfortunately, like every other event and thing in the world, that's now been cut back, of course, because of coronavirus. But uh, yeah, a great Irish community here as well in D.C., uh, very close. And as I always say, you get huge advantages to being Irish here in D.C. from a journalism perspective, because, of course, we get the annual St. Patrick's Day celebrations where you get really close access to the president, the vice president and senior members of Congress. And also we've seen that the BBC were swatted away by Joe Biden, but he was able to speak to you, no problem, from RT. He did, he did. So, so I think I've raised them. I've, I've raised expectations, though. Everybody's like, oh, Joe Biden loves Ireland. He's going to be doing interviews with you every week. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold off. Though. He's a lot of people <laughs> looking for interviews with him. But yeah, so well, uh, he, you know, he said to BBC, I'm Irish. And then last November, he was coming out of a press conference event and I just shouted a question at him a question about Ireland and he said I can talk to you about Ireland anytime you want I said great so fingers crossed we'll get a few more encounters with uh, President Biden over the next year Before I let you go just a couple of questions those who want to be a button political correspondent a reporter in the field here in Ireland or abroad do you have any words of wisdom your progression things you've learned over the years I started in local radio I started in Red FM in Cork um Am I allowed to say that? Is that a rival yeah, station? Am I like in trouble for that? Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? We're not like that. It's perfectly <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was great. And look, you know, uh, I, I'm preaching to the converted, working at a station like that, the fun, the enjoyment. When I started Red FM, it was a startup, but it just launched. I was the weekend newsreader and the buzz and the excitement absolutely loved coming to work every day. And then that became a full-time job for me. Then went to TV3 for 10 years, which I utterly enjoyed. And then uh, went to RT for the last few years before I got the gig here in Washington. And I always say to people, if, if you enjoy the job and you love it, it never feels like working. Every day is fun. You don't you never get that work feeling of dread, you know, coming into the job. It's always exciting and it's always fun. I mean, in terms of advice, take the experience you can get. If you were fresh coming out of college, as I say, it was a weekend newsreader job I took in a starting radio station. And for me, that's what started it for me. Um, take the opportunities that are out there. Be prepared to work very hard. But there's great enjoyment. Um, I always think broadcasting and live reporting for me is a great buzz. But also, even if you're doing a pre-recorded package or whatever, it's rare in a job that you can physically look back on a tangible day's work and say, here's this thing that I created today under great pressure, under great deadline. There was this breaking news event. We went out there. We did our best. We did our job. And you can look back and know you did a good job that day. Fanula, if there's no final questions, I think we couldn't actually say goodbye to you normally. We have to get you to do a Brian O'Donovan sign-off, if that is perfect act. Okay to ask you to do that. No problem. Brian O'Donovan, RT News, in my basement in Washington. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> take a bow. Brian, thank take you so, a so bow. much for, for chatting to us. We really, really appreciate it. And look, I mean, hopefully, maybe you might cross paths whenever you're back in Ireland again. Love it, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. I Radio in the afternoon with Dave and
Afternoon with Tesco weekdays from three on iRadio. I-